friends and ghoulish knights, and welcome to the 14th episode of Murders with Mertens. I am your host, Joe, and this is a podcast about horror. Thrillers, cosmic horror, body horror, the horror-adjacent, the supernatural, the psychologically terrifying, scary films in general. Each episode, I sit down with a guest and discuss one of their favorite scary films so we can gush about everything that makes it just so damn cool. Viewers, thank you for the support. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. If you're so inclined, it all helps to get the word out. Bring some much-needed love to this fledgling podcast. I have a minor goal of uh, reaching 100 subs by the end of the year so that I can get a custom URL for the channel, but, uh, you know, no real illusions of grandeur beyond that, so, you know, help! But, uh, enough of all that. Today, I have the honor and privilege of welcoming back for his second appearance on Murders with Murders, Demetrius Newell. Dim, how are you for this super fine day? I'm doing great. We hung out last night, so, you know, we're kind of jumping off of a, a nice hangout with friends, and uh, I'm really excited to dive into the movie that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, maybe sipping our coffee slightly slower today. I don't know, uh, but uh, no, nah, wasn't too bad. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we saw some weird shit, and that's always fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, the... <laughs> I wasn't expecting what we watched last night, except Not for Jennifer's body, because that was my choice. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, with full <laughs> expectations with that one. That, that was just fine, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Moving into the other things, uh, <laughs> yeah, we kind of went off the deep end. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but fun was still had. Um, yeah, I, I think we should probably just jump into it here. Uh, today's topic, it's uh, 2017's Get Out, written and directed by Jordan Peele. Uh, this is really up there, uh, this film, for a lot of folks and for a lot of good reasons. Um, Dim, uh, I'm sure, like me, you probably saw this right around the time the damn thing came out. Uh, what were your early thoughts on this film? Oh, absolutely loved it the first time. And I, I mentioned this to you, I think, yesterday. Is I, like, saw it several times when it was in the theater. Like, I, I couldn't get enough of this movie. Um, and uh, I almost know it, not verbatim, but I know almost exactly how every scene plays out. And so it's very familiar to me. And um, I'm bringing some trivia in from this. Love it. Love it. Um, yeah, when I saw this, uh, it was not in the theater. Uh, it was... Shortly after it was, you know, like on digital or whatever, like this looks cool as hell. I'm so sad. I missed this. I'm just going to buy it on Amazon or whatever. And holy shit. It, it, mm, I, I don't think uh, the trailer really uh, set you up for what all of this was going to be. <laughs> um, I mean, just on a very, yeah. very surface level, maybe. But yeah, this. um. This this is a movie, and uh, you you think it's gonna go one way, and then it it definitely turns you on a on a on a on your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Uh, I I, I feel like we kind of just need to jump into this just so that we can get to some of this cool shit. Um, you know, we we, we start very very uh nice little tidy suburb. It's uh. You know, it's, it's dark. It's, Lakeith uh, Stanfield. Yeah. One of my fucking, favorite actors. He's fucking great. And I don't even know if I knew who he was at this point uh, when this film came out. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's on his cell phone walking along this uh, quiet sidewalk. And 
he's talking to sounds like girlfriend or something. It's likely Rose. We'll we'll get to that eventually. But uh but um yeah, he he's just feeling a little uncomfortable with where he's at and he's supposed to meet somebody out there and I they're a little unclear where he's even going or what he's up to. But he gets off the phone with her and he's looking at his directions and this uh this car rolls by with some creepy old timey music playing and uh does Yui comes up behind him and um thinks about it for a minute and he turns around himself he's, he's like, like nope nope not, <laughs> not today, today. <laughs> <laughs> oh god and uh yeah he he had some good instincts there but uh yeah um he he looks over his shoulder and he sees the car stopped with the door open and then turns around just in time for this dude in a helmet and you know we'll get to that helmet later but I am kind of glad that you don't see it super well in this scene, as dark as it is, because it just gets weirder later. I really love this opening because there's kind of a lot of parallels to how I think white people feel when they go into a black or predominantly black neighborhood. And it's almost like the flipped version of what that would be like for a black person going into like a rich white person's neighborhood. And they make it feel horrific when most people would probably think that they're safe in this neighborhood or they might right. think that they're um you know they're not going to get hurt and it, there's nobody outside and all the lights are on and yeah it, you don't it, see it a almost, single person a single car other than right. the car and yeah he even makes a comment about feeling like he sticks out like a sore thumb and yeah um it's pretty damn terrifying <laughs> yeah and, and it's funny because it's it's really not when you think about it. Like he probably wouldn't have been in any normal, real normal danger except for that car pulling up, and <laughs> that's when it got a little fuzzy. But normally, I'd say he'd probably be pretty fine wherever he was going. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, great parallel there, like you said. And he gets choked out and dragged away and thrown in the trunk. Uh, meanwhile, again, you maybe hear like a couple of dogs or something. But no people, no other cars, nobody flipping on lights, nothing. Um, and as soon as he drives away, uh, we get the title card with, uh, I, I know they're in your notes because I saw that picture there, the uh, Swahili lyrics there, uh, basically telling us, yeah, let, let's keep our eyes open and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a lot so, of foreshadowing um, throughout this film. Exactly. And um, I do want to read a trivia. I got a lot of trivia off of the cool. IMDb website. Um, so the main theme is called Sikilisa Kwa Wahenga was sung in Swahili with the exception of the word English word brother, a word the com in which the composer Michael Ab Ab Abels felt that had a special universal meaning among black people that did not need translation. And he says that um, the voices are supposed to re represent the souls of black slaves and lynching victims trying to warn Chris to get away. And the translation is actually, brother, run, listen to your elders, listen to the truth, run away, save yourself. So I thought that, I mean, that's, that's literally what the movie is. Yeah. <laughs> so he, they, they foreshadow the entire movie with the lyrics. Yeah. And, and we don't even know it yet. 
everything is telling him this is not a good idea going here throughout this entire film. And uh, yeah, yeah, um, very much the truth. Uh, and then we cut right from that. Uh, once we get done with the credits uh, to Chris's apartment and we get some childish Gambino and he's getting ready and we're kind of cutting back and forth between that and Rose at a bakery, um, you know, picking out some pastries and stuff. And, you know, future spoilers and all that. But I love how this feels like foreshadowing of her picking out her victims. You know, the way that yeah, she's absolutely. just looking through this case and then, yeah. Yeah, very predatory look on her face there. Even, you know, you may not think so necessarily the first time you see this film, but yeah, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of wheels turning. It's so funny, too, because you can't really you can't really unsee it after you've seen it so many times like I have, where it's like yeah. you, you know, it's sinister from the beginning after you realize what happens at the end. Um, and, you know, the inclusion of Donald Glover's song uh, Redbone, which includes the lyrics stay woke and don't mm -hmm. close your eyes were important for Jordan Peele on that inclusion in the in that beginning section. Yeah, yeah, just a lot more of that. Um... Yeah, don't do this. Don't go away with this woman. <laughs> this, this is all going to end in tears. Um, it, and in these, because I, I watched it twice here within the past week, it, in these rewatches, I was trying to pay extra careful attention to her performance just to see what would crack, what would slip. And it's not till very late in this film that I really see anything break as far as anything that anybody could pick up on as no, she's not this loving girlfriend. Um, yeah, I think you have to imagine that she's had all this practice, especially seeing what we see later in her box. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and maybe she didn't have this, this great deadpan reaction to everything right in the beginning when she was first starting this out. But I think she's so well versed on doing this now that like, it's just another victim. It's, it's just hat. another person. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so she does, you know, the super endearing thing of knocking on the door with her forehead because her hands are full. And, you know, we, 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 when you see them together, they are the cutest damn couple. Um, and they look great. It's, they have this great chemistry. It's, she has played him so well at this point. Again, future spoilers. You can't, you can't talk about this movie without spoiling the shit out of the end um i mean it's true yeah um so then he's packing and absolutely stalling while he's doing that and you know she's trying to pry out of him what's going on and i i noticed for the first time here that this very much parallels the scene at the end when she's digging through her bags for the keys and he's like you know kind of prying into her as far as what's going on it's yeah. so God damn it. Jordan Peele's awesome. Um, <laughs> you just, God, what an amazing creator. And we are so lucky to have something new from him here. Uh, just a few days. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Their conversation is, is so simple and it, you know, it's, it's something that I think a lot of, I would say people of color and black people specifically have with, if they're dating, somebody of a different uh, nationality or gen or whatever nationality. And, um, you know, it may not be something that like two Caucasian people would have because there's not necessarily a reason to bring up that you look different from everybody else. 
Um, so I really like that inclusion in this conversation. She tries to curb it by saying things like, you know, my, my dad voted for, would have voted for Obama for the third time. We hear that later. Right. But she so also you makes know the point that, yeah, she does make the point that, you know, he's going to bring that up and it's going to be super awkward. And it's mostly just because he's, you know, doing the dumb dad shit. Um, right. but yeah, yeah, this, uh, the whole, you know, do they know I'm black conversation? It's, yeah. Uh, and this also plays into the whole oblivious white liberal thing that you know kind of is a major major theme of this whole damn movie too um you know the people that you know they're not necessarily racist but the things that they do make people of color incredibly uncomfortable and just we always have that conversation too where especially you know talking about bringing your your person home to your parents and 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 saying like oh we have friends that are are black or we have a daughter who's dating a black person so we're not racist which isn't technically being not racist <laughs> yeah it's just like they try to curb it to make you feel more comfortable but it actually makes you feel more like, more uncomfortable in the end Yes, and you see that on his face throughout this entire film. All these little tiny bits here and there. It's yeah, it's, it's pretty fucking uncomfortable, is what it is. I really um, think his facial expressions throughout the entire movie are so like spot on for exactly like how weird everything feels and and just his uncomfortability with everything. It's just mm -hmm. so perfect. Yeah, um, I think there's very good reason why he was nominated for as many awards as he was for this film. Um, yeah, and uh, he's back in Nope, isn't he? He is. Nice. I just I want to see more of directors with their, you know, how like Flanagan, for example, has his stable of actors, right? I love when directors do this shit where they, they end up with that shorthand with people and they're able to, you know, just kind of make some fucking magic because of that. So, yeah, that's Cantino, exciting. another big one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she's, and again, the oblivious white liberal thing, that's like a lot of her whole persona with all of this, too. So much is a fucking act. Um, and I think we cut from here right to the car, the car ride. And yep. who, who drives long distance with no music on? It's, it, did that bother you as well? That was weird. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure it's just to make you, the viewer, more awkward feeling as well. Because obviously he's going, not only is he going to meet, you know, the parents of the girlfriend for the first time. But it's everything that we just talked about, too, on top of that, making it extra, extra uncomfortable. Um, and I forget what happens first. I think he just kind of uh, shifts a little bit because he's getting antsy and it's like, OK, it's time for a cigarette. Right. Which uh, she throws out the window because she's trying to get him to stop smoking. And yeah. and then he's like, OK, it's time to call Rod. You know, because he's got to call his best friend and Rod's just... all these little um, breadcrumbs that they that Jordan Peele places that are leading you into a certain direction. And I love that. It's like mm -hmm. everything feels important. Yeah, because it all there's callbacks to absolutely everything. The cigarettes and, you know, Rod the friend, 
the damn dog and everything else. Um, yeah, everything is intentional and that's, and not in a super heavy handed, yes, we are placing this here for you to notice it type of way. So that's very cool. Um, so he calls Rod, who's going to be doing the dog sitting for him. We see that Rod works for TSA. He's on his smoke break outside and, you know, complaining about getting into trouble for patting down an old lady. And it's, it's, there's so much that's so crazy relatable about, you know, just anybody's job and any of this stuff. It's great. But, um, yeah. I feel like that's also, um, not only is that for him being a TSA agent, but also him being black and, you know, older people usually are less accepting when it comes to their racial, um, acceptance, I guess, of, of people. Yeah. And, um, I feel like that was almost like a nod at, you know, maybe it's because he's black that the old lady wouldn't let him pat him, pat her down and kind of foreshadow that way. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, I think we're very much also introduced to Rod as the voice of reason in this film too, you know, as goofy as he is. Um, and, and he is pretty goofy in a lot of this. He's some good comic relief throughout this thing, but uh, yeah. So, um, on top of that, I guess, uh, a lot of his lines were improv. Oh, nice. That's always yeah. fun to hear. Um, so then Rose is like, yep, let me talk to Rod. Let me talk to Rod. And she, all she really wants to do is just say hi. And eventually they hang up the phone, but uh, then they get into the whole, oh, you're jealous. You're jealous that I wanted to talk to Rod. And so they get into a little play fighting and that's when they're distracted and they hit a fucking deer. And that's a great that's jump right. scare too. It's a great it jump scare. Cause it happens it like, so bam. Oh yeah. God. Um, and you know, they stop. And, you know, of course, they're a little shaken up. Um, and Chris goes walking off to go see if it's still alive or whatever. And I, apparently Jordan Peele is the one making the noises that the deer is making. I read that, yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> it's so weird. And now, now, once you know that, you kind of listen for <laughs> it. When, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Yeah, he, he plays a good dead deer. Um, but, uh, you know, then we have the moment with the cops and, or cop rather. And, you know, you, you hear the cop, uh, telling her that uh, they should have called animal control instead calling the cops. And I'm thinking to myself when he says this, well, who's supposed to fill out the police report for your insurance claim then? Exactly. Yeah. That's weird. Um, but regardless, we have the super fun interaction of him asking for Chris's ID. Well, and she, Rose, immediately hops into the hole. Well, he wasn't driving, so why do you need to see his ID thing? And yeah, this is a pretty uncomfortable exchange here. And I, I see, you know, Chris just wanting to basically, hey, Here's my state ID. I don't have a license, but you know, here, you know, he's just trying to do everything that the cop is asking him because that's, you know, a common, not good situation there. Um, yeah, very, mm, could have gone a different Talk way. Cop, however, <laughs> yeah, it's like, we oh, wouldn't and normally do that. Like we would be like, all right, you know, we'll do whatever you want to say. Like, and then she was just going off on this dude. I'm like, oh, yeah, damn, I would never be like that. <laughs> nope. 
Not at all. Um, yeah, there's also deserted stretch of road. You are the only three people here. Anything that happens can be hand waved away. Um, so yeah, uh, she leans into it though, uh, with the cop telling him, you know, basically, no, you have no right to ask for his ID. And eventually he leaves and, you know, he, he does the dick cop stuff, you know, get that, you know, headlight fixed and the mirror and all that. And, you know, just, yeah. Wipe all that deer blood off the front. Yeah. Yeah. He cops out to go do cop shit. So he does, he does. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, once again, just that everything on Chris's face again, good reason why he was nominated for all the shit that he was. It's wow. Um, I think they just hop into the car and drive off the rest of the way to the house at this point. Yeah. Yep. They end up at the house right after this part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Here. And as they drive uh, along the driveway there, they see the groundskeeper um, who just does this creepy little deadpan stare. He's just like, <laughs> uh-huh. yep, yep. And I also read about uh, specifically with him. And I didn't notice this until this recent time that I watched it. But if you if you pay attention to him being a groundskeeper, he actually doesn't do any groundskeeping work. Like there's a lot of um, stuff just not kept up and they did that on purpose so that they, you would notice that as an Easter egg and be like, Oh, he's not really a groundskeeper. We find that out later, obviously. But like, I thought that was super interesting and it's true. They're like, every time he's doing something, he's not really doing something. Yeah. It's just kind of all for show. Yep. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, yeah, later on when he's chopping wood, you know, the line about, well, I'm not doing anything that I don't want to do. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's enjoying his retirement for sure. Um, so they pull up to the front of the house and walk up the steps. The parents greet them and they're just, you know, the over the top parents at that point. And of course we get the, my man line, which is, you know, extra. My man, my man. Yeah. Yeah. Every single time. And it's like, on one hand, you could absolutely read it as it's just cringy dad shit, but also, yeah, just, no, no. Yeah. It's a little try hard for sure. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Um, and then they have their little conversation about the deer and, you know, the dad, uh, Dean, kind of goes off on him, basically being rats and, you know, they should all be exterminated. I think we should eradicate all of them and yes, all this stuff. Yes, and I, you can absolutely read into this conversation just a little bit as well. Um, there's definitely been plenty of conversations that I've read and heard throughout the Internet about just parallels between his thoughts on deer and, you know, potentially his own um for sure uh and then once again the super cringy try hard this thing as he's asking them about how long they've been together and <laughs> it's just i the always mom. laugh at that yeah yeah um it's super funny 
Yeah, it's it, it, the casting's absolutely great too. Uh, Bradley Whitford and um, oh god, uh, Catherine Catherine Keener. Yeah, uh, Keener. she's just sitting there in that chair, like I, God, you're so fucking embarrassing. Um, but uh, so funny. And, and she does try shutting him down a little bit here and there, and so does Rose. You know, does he have an off switch or something like that? Um. But yeah, they do the typical dad thing of, yep, yep, it's good that you know she's right. And, you know, this will do you well in the future. And then basically does the same thing with his wife. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's still. A and you got to believe that this is, they probably have the same exact conversation with everybody. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's, it seems super well, like they're all in on what their conversation is and they're all knowing the exact response to say, and it's just to try to make him feel more comfortable. And then yep. they go on the tour. Yes. Uh, the God, they always need to do this. Don't they, they need to show you around the house and it's word. Of course, uh, there's the line of such a privilege to experience another person's culture. Okay. <laughs> um, important to to pick out the the um the track and field stuff when they talk about his dad yeah, uh, when the they're Jesse looking Owen at the stuff yeah and then you know talking about how his dad would have like gotten beat out by the the black dude and and then that kind of fits into why we see <laughs> the running later yeah and how he uh, runs straight yeah, at Trent. yeah right yeah because it's grandpa yep. um and then they go by the basement door it's like well we got that sealed off because of black mold yeah well you know as soon as somebody says black mold everybody's like oh yeah yeah we're gonna not gonna mess with that um like telling me in this big ass house in the woods that you sealed off an entire basement because of black mold and you have all this money mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you're not gonna get an abatement company out there to deal with that no 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 um, and it's probably super on the nose, but yeah, just again, it's of course it's black because it's the fucking movie that it is. Correct. Um, and they walk into the kitchen, and there's Georgina, just totally perfect and put together, all creepy, extra toothy smiles because it's like she's got teeth for days for some reason. It's, Dude, it's uh, so creepy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, a little piece of Rose's grandmother left in the kitchen, right? Um, yeah. and they, they make the comment of garbage, uh, going under the sink, which, uh, has always been told to me by many, many coworkers that, yeah, that's a white person thing. Yep. (laughs) For sure. Yep. I've never had garbage or anything like that. And I can attest. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Trash can goes under the sink. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, but it's, it's so I, interesting. It's funny. Uh, but yes, yeah, plenty of coworkers over the years. Yeah, yeah, that's a white people thing, um, for sure. But again, one of those little things sprinkled throughout this film. Um, it's constant, it's constantly feeding you information. Yep. Uh, and then. I know what you're thinking, Georgina and Walter, white family, black surgeon. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are thinking that. <laughs> it's extra creepy. 
And then uh, just out of the blue, the I would have voted for Obama for a third time if I could. It wasn't prompted. Nothing. It okay. again, it's all scripted. It's all scripted in their family. Like I feel like he's he like they're they had the conversation in the living room and then you know mm -hmm. they do the tour. But I believe that this would be happening for everybody. And then he would take them outside and everybody gets the Obama speech and he talks about um how they hired the black servants to care for their parents, which I thought is an awesome line also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when they died, we just kept them on. Yep. <laughs> week, <Yep>. week. <laughs> uh -huh. Once again, you can't unsee it. Um, so then we, you know, catch them. They're all sitting outside. They're having some iced tea. And you've got Georgina walking around. This is where we get the very beginning of the conditioning with Chris, with the tap, tap, tap on the side of the glass. Oh. And it's like, oh, you have a you have a habit, or how does how does he say it? he's like, oh, you were you were a smoker? Yeah, because they seem like, kind of yeah, fidgeting there just it. a little bit. Yep, yep. And uh, you start seeing uh, uh, Catherine. You know, she's already doing the the uh -huh. swirling of the tea. Yep, and uh, this is where they talk about how yeah she does hypnotherapy and you know, how it's a service we provide. <laughs> yes. Um. And as Georgina's going around refilling, um, I think something is brought up about, how does it go exactly? About uh, when the uh, grandma died or whatever. And I, I think that's kind of what causes her to break a little bit there. Yeah, because she starts pouring the, the tea and then they have that conversation and then she kind of like trips, trips out for a second mm -hmm. and then she overfills. Yeah, and that, I don't even know if she necessarily overfills, but she just kind of stumbles a little bit there. And I do find it interesting too that, you know, they, they talk about how it's like a, a flash thing and that's kind of what snaps them out of their, their little trance or whatever, mm -hmm. but that doesn't exactly happen in this scene. So I wonder if it's also like a certain phrases or words or something that they hear familiarity yeah. to the person inside who's trying to break out, I guess, get out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe certain memories or something that uh, what's left of the original person can still access or something. Uh, but yeah, uh, Missy, you know, basically sends her inside and uh, then we, Basically, as soon as she steps out of frame, Jeremy steps into frame from the background there. Oh, God, he's such a douchebag. He is such a piece Dude. of shit. <laughs> it's, it's funny, too, because they gave him that, like, just like the, the little mustache. Oh, God, and yeah. It's so the long it's hair. the grossest mustache ever. <laughs> uh, he's, just, he's just weird as shit from the very beginning. It's mm -hmm. almost like he doesn't want to play the family game. No, I think he's very, very much checked out of this. He just wants to, yeah, go fuck off and do a bunch of blow or something. I don't know. He seems like that kind of a kid. Um, but yes, uh, then we cut to dinner, and they're all laughing and having a good time for the most part. Um, they're all telling stories about you know, Rose back in the day. Yeah. 
the brother talks about uh, fighting. Um, and yeah, that's and what style. it is. Yeah, the, the sports conversation takes this shift into, well, with your build and your genetics. And it's, oh God, it's so uncomfortable. And, and oh, Chris, Chris is doing his best to just play along. And, but yeah, it just gets like weirdly almost violent. And then, yeah, Jeremy gets up because they're talking about jujitsu and, how you know here let me show you something it's like yeah i got a role we don't play fight when we're drunk and mom walks back in and all that and eventually jeremy sits his ass back down again um when jeremy's having that conversation too i think it's important to notice the way that the rest of the family is looking at him because they're not mm -hmm. looking at him with entertainment eyes they're looking at him like shut the fuck up like mm -hmm. <laughs> stop saying this shit yeah, this is this is too much yes um, and then they cut off to bedtime and Rose, you know, she's such a good little actor playing about being upset with, you know, just everything. My man, my man. Uh huh. When did he ever learn that? When did he ever say that? Every single time, Rose, he says it every single time. Um, but, and then, you know, just how her mom was treating Georgina when they were outside and then her dipshit brother and, you know. Uh, meanwhile, Chris is like crazy distracted, you know, messing around on his computer there. And well, they, they, they finally crawl into bed and have some sexy times there. And we cut to Chris. Um, he's thinking waking about up in the deer. middle of the night. Yeah. He's thinking about the deer and he's like, okay, I need a cigarette. So I, I think he notices the, um, the little, the little closet door uh standing open at this point too. he does yeah but yeah. he doesn't really think anything doesn't of it. think anything. there's yeah, yeah there's I, don't know, I think it's just again that little sprinkling in of something to uh notice later on um so he goes gets dressed and walks outside and we get that fun little stinger of him walking through the hallway and you see georgina uh walk past very quickly and there's the little music stinger as well for that um yeah it is weird <laughs> they don't they don't they don't necessarily explain why she was up or why she was doing what she was doing at all like did it why are you walking like that like <laughs> you're a regular yeah. person you're just, yeah i don't know it's just super weird i, I think you know, obviously they're doing it because it's like a a horror movie but like yeah a little bit more explanation would have been better on like why is she acting weird as shit yeah, and when Chris goes outside, he goes to light up a cigarette, and then he notices somebody running at him for, through the dark. Yeah, through the darkness there, and a light flips he's on like, behind. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's like backing up just a little bit, but you know, this dude would have bulldozed him if he hadn't turned. Um, that light flips on behind him, and it's Walter, and he does this like ninety degree turn, just like like he's fucking Captain America or something. And like he did track or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and Chris turns around to see where the lights coming from. And he's startled by Georgina in the window, but she's not looking at him because the light, you know, and everything, she can only see her reflection. Yeah. I think that's part of what was going on with her just being up and about. I feel like she's still getting used to this new body and, you know, could be, but 
I feel like the the grandparents had to be the first involved. Um, and because they do this auction thing, and they've already had you know the box of people, so they've there's continuous amount of people flowing. So I, I imagined true. that they were the first two, and then. Well, maybe my, I don't know. I guess if they died at different times, it could be different. Yeah. But I don't think it would be. I, here's my take with that. Um, I think because of the video that we see towards the end, that this procedure has been going on for quite some time, actually. So I think that for sure. I think they were far more recent because we see in those photos that Rose was the bait to get these people as it is, and she wasn't significantly younger. So. That's true. I, I think that they're doing this whole shtick like fairly often. This isn't like an every six months thing or anything like that. I think um, this this is like a very very regular thing. Um, yeah, I mean they try to make it seem like you know we'll figure it out later. But the the garden party is such a you know a every couple of months or every year yeah, type thing. But like I feel like it's year really thing, all the yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Chris goes back inside and Missy does that, you know, that horrible mom thing of I've been waiting up all night, flipping on the light, you know, sitting up in the chair thing. Um, and she has Chris come and sit down because um, they're going to have a little conversation about the smoking. Right. Um, but, oh, it's so much worse than that. Um, she starts asking him questions about the death of his mother and he notices very quickly oh shit she's doing this We're yeah she she's got me already because <laughs> mm -hmm. she's she's already doing the tea thing mm -hmm. and you know the things that he doesn't want to talk about he's noticing he is talking about and you know all of a sudden uh and we get all the backstory about his mother's hit and run and all that and this just basically sat there and watched TV because he bring, couldn't bring himself to, you know, call for help because that would kind of make it real. And it's, it's terrible. It's, you know, he's got tears streaming down his face at this point because he's reliving this horrible memory. And that's where she does the little tap, tap, tap. And she's like sinking to the floor. So I have a little bit of trivia on this. He was given okay. the lead role um, on the spot after nailing his audition because of the way that he was able to do the crying on command like that. So he was the only one who performed the role and he was the only one giving it. So, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think that's an amazing ability. Um, I don't know how people can do that. I don't know if you just have to get yourself into an emotional place where, you know, it's just, here they come turn on. Yeah. And, it's definitely interesting. I mean, I got that way when I watched Marcel the Show, and that was. <laughs> but, but I <laughs> just expect that movie so cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I expect that to be moving as shit. So I can't wait. Um, but uh, yeah, he's in the sunken place, and it's a great effect. Um, I, I love how his vision almost becomes like this far-off TV monitor, and you know everything's muffled and feels super distant, and. Yeah, all of a sudden he snaps awake with a start, and it's morning, and he's in bed, and Rose is getting a shower. Um, Goes outside again, Well, right, before to... then, he gets the text from Rod. We see that his phone is unplugged. Oh, right. Yeah, and he's yep. like, Sid got drunk last night, and he's got the beer bottle and everything else. It's, yeah, that that's fun. It's, it, I like that he's... 
you know, a, a good enough friend that it's not just a, okay, I'm going to go feed the dog, take it outside and bounce. No, he's going to hang out with the dog for a little bit. Um, probably eat some of Chris's food and drink some of his beer, but, uh, you know, that's right. Yep. So yeah, then he goes for a walk after that and he's snapping some pictures and he's got that really awkward encounter with Georgina where he sees her in the window upstairs again, kind of like fixing her hair and then she turns towards him. So he quickly looks away and that's where he sees, um, Walter chopping wood and they have their conversation and the extra, extra creepy grandfather uh basically talking about his granddaughter about you know what a catch she is and everything um what does he say uh uh top of the line um yeah i, I used to have it like down but <laughs> like um yeah what, top of the however line. it sounds it's it's definitely like that old school like oh it's very old timey yeah um, yeah, but it's just extra, extra creepy because God, just don't talk about your granddaughter like that. No, please. Um, and yet, and yet, um, so he goes back to chopping wood and let's see here. Oh yeah. Chris meets up with Rose back in her room, just telling her about the uh, hypnotism and then the weird dreams and Walter and I love how anytime he brings up something with either Georgina or Walter, she's like, well, I'll, I'll go talk to my mom or I'll go talk to my dad. And it's just one once more playing him so that he'll say, no, no, don't worry about it. You know, he will back off then ultimately from pressing the point. Um, sure. It's God, it's all so put together. Love it. Um, Genius. Um, and then the guests arrive and of course they all arrive at the same time, which is weird as shit. And it's all in limos. It's definitely weird. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's starting only to one like, Asian person. Yes. Tanaka. Yeah. Um, and God, there's definitely some commentary we could have about all that too. Um, cause he probably feels just white enough to them. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a money thing too. I feel like I, yeah, they're absolutely. they're trying to show that he's got like well, tons everybody of money. Obviously, clearly is loaded. Who's here? They, and they yeah, all show sure. up in coordinated limos. You know, it's not feeling culty <laughs> at all. No, not yeah. at all. Um, but yeah, they arrive, and the first couple that uh, introduce themselves to Chris, um, you know, it's this guy who used to be a pro golfer. And of course he brings up the, I do know tiger. That, that, that's great. That's nice for you. Each one of these, these interactions yes. that we get are just, yeah. I had to write them down. Worse. Yes. I had to write them all down. I do know tiger. So is it true? Uh, from the, the wife. Um, and then the guy that's like black is in fashion. Jesus. It's yeah. Just, I wrote the black right. is in it fashion keeps one now. getting worse because the it's tiger like is touches. like, yeah, yeah, she's all handsy with him. Uh, but the guy who knows Tiger, you know, you can almost like that's a one off. That's you couldn't, it's possible that he could not have meant it as I know Tiger because he's black as well. 
And that's why I think you would like the fact that I know Tiger. No, I'm just old and he's a famous golfer and that's who I know. Uh, So you're right. Yes. He just happens to be a black person and it just keeps getting worse. You're right. Um, And again, Rose, such a great actor and she looks appropriately annoyed for Chris in each of these interactions. And I, I don't think it's the same from the dinner uh, scene of, you know, like her potentially like back off Jeremy. No, this is more like her just playing along, making sure that he feels comfortable with her. Well, Uh, I feel like these are definitely ones that she, they couldn't have had a script for. So she's giving off all these like, ad lib reactions based off of what everybody's saying and trying to make him again feel comfortable which it, it it's still <laughs> awkward no matter what Let, let's let's make you feel good in your uh horrible discomfort <laughs> i'll i and again i'll be that lifeline for you i will be the the person to help get you through this um yeah and then you get lots of scenes of everyone gawking at chris like he's looking through the viewfinder of the camera yeah. Uh, Dean and all of his buddies, they they point him out and they wave him over. Um, and this is where Chris spots um, uh, Dre, uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Um, but uh, no, he's going by Logan. Are he now. different? Yeah, <laughs> very different now. <laughs> yeah, uh, he just walked out of a J Crew, and um, yeah. <laughs> You know, like you do. Um, and he turns around and, oh, shit. Uh, they have their little conversation and his wife pops up and she's trying to drag him off. I, 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 I feel like, you know, she knows that they need to get him away from Chris because we don't want him to discover what's going on or we don't want him to feel in any way uncomfortable. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but, uh, so Chris being a smart ass goes to offer him a dap and Logan totally fails. And yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen anything like that until this movie. And I, yeah. was dying. <laughs> I love the super slow just comes up into frame like that. too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he absolutely fails. Uh, And so Logan goes off to show off his new suit, so to speak, right? Um, And Chris is like, (laughs) as he's watching all this happening. (laughs) And that's where he walks off and he meets Jim Hudson, uh, played by the always awesome uh, Stephen Root. Um, Love him in everything. Yeah. Um, And he is a blind art dealer. And it's somebody that Chris knows because he's in photography. Wow, this is all seeming very, very not coincidental now, right? Um, and they have their little conversation. And he he actually seems to be one of the more normal ones of all these people. Um, you know, for the most I wanted part. to ask you specifically, um, do you like so do you feel that the people they choose have to have some kind of connection to the person that they're yeah. selecting. I mean, there is because the it's an auction. auction aspect. Yes. But, um, but I, I feel I, like they try to do an artsy thing. Cause they both into some type of art thing to mm-hmm. kind of mesh them together better. But 
I don't know. I mean, with the auction thing, it, it seems random, but I yeah. also feel like they could have been like, bring this amount of money, you'll be the top of the of the list. Yeah, I think that could be very likely as well, um, because you're right. The auction brings in this element of chance, which does not exist in this film in any way. As you know, structured as everything is, as set up as everything is, there is no fate in this film. It is absolutely scripted. Um, but yeah, you're probably right. They probably um, essentially headhunted Chris for this guy and basically told him, yeah, you're, you're going to have to, you know, because obviously he would also have to have a proxy doing the, uh, the bidding at the auction because the dude's fucking blind. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it seems that maybe Rose goes out and she, you know, finds these people, figures out what their personality is, tells her parents, the parents kind of tell everyone that this is the personality of the person that you're going to be voting on. And then that could be too, that, um, they're, they all have some interest in the person who's going to be auctioned off because of, yes, the parents and just, they're going to communicate at least, I don't know. Um, it is an interesting uh, little conversation to have, though, because you don't really yeah. they don't specifically spell it out. But there are parallels to the, the different people that are involved. And I feel like he had the most traits that were close to Chris in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Without being um, blind, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Chris, you know, he's a little winded by everything i mean even if it weren't this horrific situation in this horror film uh you know you go to uh, a significant other's family's event type thing where you're meeting all these people for the very first time and it takes it out of you um but yeah i mean he, it's exhausting in a normal setting but for him he's probably mentally yeah. gone at this point <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh he's wrecked so he goes upstairs and i love this moment Everybody goes completely silent. They all look up and it's like they all, all look at him as he leaves. Uh -huh. And it's, it's like such a weird all their conversations were just staged for his benefit to think that they were all just, you know, doing their thing, right? Um Yeah. And then he goes into the room and he finds that uh his cell phone is unplugged, and of course it's dead. Again. Yeah, I don't I don't know what he has running on his phone that's just going to drain it like crazy like that. But um yeah. I also wrote down specifically like why wouldn't he have his phone on him in the first place? Like why yeah. is your phone like you if you charge it overnight that's one thing. I mean, yeah. It should have enough juice to last the dinner party. Like Yeah. Um that seems weird to me. Um just because yeah, our phones are on us nearly all the time, right? It's yeah. I mean, it's almost kind of like a MacGuffin, whereas it's almost just like a plot you know, device to move everything forward. I think if the film were made about ten years prior, it would make more sense. But um, you know, just because we have been increasingly more and more dependent on these things, and just your life is in that fucking phone, you don't have it more than five feet away from you most times. Um. And I, I really don't think I didn't notice that until multiple viewings later. So I don't think it's something people don't normally see when they watch it the first time. Yeah. So yeah, it could be that maybe he left it up there because you know, it's this big 
party family thing and he just didn't want to be rude with the phone uh, especially because be. everybody is significantly older and they're probably less likely to you know be fucking around with their phones the whole time you know unlike the rest of us yeah, I mean, he could have done it for respect i guess yeah that's maybe it's i don't know but yes, he finds it's that it's un- for sure. Yeah, he finds that it's unplugged and you know he starts looking around. He sees Georgina doing some shit in another room and he kind of catches himself and swings the door a little bit shut. And that's right when Rose pops up the stairs and obviously she has been sent up here to get him because this whole party is to show him off. But that's this correct. is where he tells her about the phone being unplugged and then she she does the the whole, um, you know, well, I, I could tell my dad thing again uh, or where whatever. do you think she was this whole time? Like wh- when he walked over to uh, what's his name, Walter? And they sat down and they talked about the art stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, where did Jim. she go? Um, she, Jim. She, yeah. She's just been mingling because they got to keep up appearances still, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when. I'm sure as soon as he went upstairs, somebody went outside to tell everybody else, hey, I don't know where he's at, but we need to get him back down here because that's the whole point of all this. Uh, so, yeah, they have their conversation and he's like, yeah, I'll be right back down. Well, in the meantime, he's going to, you know, talk to Rod and let's see here. He. Yeah, because this is before uh, he snaps that photo. Um, right, they have the the rod conversation about uh, serial killers, and then yeah, sex being slaves. Too many white people, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The sex slaves line will keep coming back, and it, it it's a good bit. Um, Especially and, later with the cop. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then as soon as he gets off the phone. Uh, he looks up and there's Georgina in the doorway and she apologizes. And this is the bit from the trailer with the no, 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 no. And she kind of breaks in this moment as well. She starts crying. It's awesome because this, you can tell that something set off the person inside and that's why the tear comes out. And Mm -hmm. I feel like she's saying no to, push that person out and then the other person is also saying no so i feel like she's talking to that person you know i've never thought of it that way before but i really yeah. like that idea that makes total sense why why else the tear she's yeah. fighting that person back. yeah and i don't think it's necessarily anything that he necessarily would have said that would have set her yeah Pause. yeah exactly yeah huh. um so she leaves and he goes to walk outside and Dean does that typical dad thing of, you know, trying to introduce you to a shit ton of his friends that you're never going to remember. They're important to them, but nobody knows who they are. Right. It's um, it's like the the one auto insurance ad about turning into your parents. Um you know, where, where they're I at love the movies. Ads. Yeah. Where they're at the yeah. movies and they're like, Oh, the Millers, you know, got this insurance for their boat. And the guy's like, nobody knows who those people are. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's the typical parent thing. We're going to bring up this family friend and expect that, you know, who they are that you have never interacted with ever before. Yep. 
so uh, and, and Chris even comments on this, you know, it's a whole lot of names that I'm just not going to remember. Right. Um, and I think this is when Tanaka brings up the question about, you know, Hey, does being, being black, is that, you know, something that you find advantageous or not advantageous? black in America? Ah, yes. Yep. And As if he came from Africa and he, yeah. he has all the answers of the black experience. Like, yes. Oh, um, man. And it kind of puts Chris on the spot there. And then he notices Logan again and he decides, I'm going to put this motherfucker on the spot. And he calls out to him and wants to know how he feels about the black experience. <laughs> His answer. <laughs> yes. Well, in my time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the six months that you've been black, um, yeah, ish, um, you you know all about it. Oh God! And this is where Chris is like, I know that this is Dre that we were talking about, and you know he goes to snap the photo, and he, you know, I think. He's less concerned about the flash, I think, than he is the sound of the shutter because he was trying to do it you know, kind of surreptitiously there to, you know, you know, sneak a photo. And the flash clearly sets off Logan and uh, Dre ends up coming through and we get the iconic. It's the bloody nose. Yep. And we get the iconic, get out, get out. And Which I also feels like plays into the Georgina thing because she just had that experience. Yep. So he's saying get out as if he's talking to the person in his body. Mm-hmm. And it's almost the person inside as well uh, trying to warn Chris. Um, right, like trying to battle that person to, to yeah. get their body back. Oh, God, that's cool. And we get Jeremy, you know, basically trying to, you know, choke him out and... Or, or at least, you know, wrangle him in some way. And everything he does, I just, I just hate it. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, he's just miserable to look at, right? Um, and we just cut to everybody in, you know, some kind of parlor, or whatever. It's, you know, British people house, right? Um, and they're just sitting there, all looking, you know, really upset about what happened. And Dean's like, "Yeah, it was a seizure." You know, I'm a neurosurgeon, so I know. Um, and Missy comes in and, you know, he's all been patched up, right? He's he's good to go. And, oh, I'm so sorry that I upset him. Especially you, Chris. And Especially you, Chris. Mm. Yeah. And they take off because he's just been overexcited for the day. And okay, let's get this party back in the swing of things. We got sparklers and bingo. And I think bingo, of course, is the um, bingo set everybody off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bingo is the uh, the code word for Rose to suggest that she takes her latest prey on a walk uh, to get you know him away. And it's basically the you know silent auction to make sure that uh, you know. I love that. Mm -hmm. And so we get the two planes of action of this, of the auction, as well as the conversation down by the lake. Um, and I wonder, this... too, if if because she, she would have had to have taken whoever it was down to the lake to so mm -hmm. they can do the auction with anybody. I wonder if they got so used to kind of the person that they're stealing getting uncomfortable 
that they would already be at that breaking point at enough and enough way to get them down there in the first place because i wonder if like some people would be like why are we leaving the party or like what do, yeah. what do you mean why do we need to go down there I, that or you know she'd probably take him into the house or whatever so yet another good reason to try to keep it fairly quiet right um and i think this is the first part where at least in my watch i really notice uh rose's act kind of breaking because Chris is like, yep. yeah, I want to leave. And Rose does the whole, you want to go without me thing. Not so much the, um, you know, well, what's going on? How can I help? Whatever the, you know, the, the actual significant other response. Um, no, it's the whole, you want to leave without me. And, but, but she, she, she gets it back. She brings it back. and. Yeah, it almost uh, seems like she she rehearsed a certain way and he wasn't following what she had rehearsed. So she, it kind of sent her off in a different tangent. Yeah, yeah kind of like the Obama thing earlier on. Right. It's it's all part of the script, but we're not exactly at the right part, but we're going to do it anyways. Right. Um, so then. Jim wins the auction. Um, I want to say about the auction too. Hmm. This whole this this whole double scene thing that they pull off is with this scary ass music in the background. So it's almost sinister in the way that they're having this really empathetic conversation that Chris wants to leave, and then they're having this like really weird auction that we have to mention that big ass picture of him, like yeah, <laughs> that, like, right behind him. <laughs> And they're like, he's just pointing out people who were giving up their bingo card. And I don't know how exactly, like, I can't tell how there's a system there. Picking, but, yeah, yeah. How they're picking the, the price, but yeah, they all have their bingo card and they're holding up and he's like just pointing and, you know, saying different numbers and seeing who, who wants him and stuff, which is, it's, it's just a really uncomfortable, like just dichotomy of scenes right there. Yeah, and then we're back with Chris and Rose, and he's telling her a little bit more about his mother's death, uh, about how, yeah, it wasn't just as bad as everything that I've told you, but also I sat there for hours. She would have been alive still throughout that time. There, there was a chance that somebody could have saved her, just been able to call somebody. And she's, you know, super caring and empathetic, and if you hadn't noticed that little slip up you know just like five minutes earlier you would have thought yeah she's still on his side right um but then uh they're like yeah time to go and as they're walking back to the house night has definitely fallen and the guests are leaving and we get that black as in fashion guy oh bye chris it was so nice meeting you (laughs) You're not going to be the same after all this. <laughs> yeah. Good fucking luck, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, God. And, and it's also, it, it's like any time you've met for the first time, some of like your parents, friends where, you know, everybody makes a big deal out of you because you're their friend's kid and they got to make that big deal of saying goodbye when it's time to say goodbye. It's it's just super uncomfortable every single time. Um, but uh, they leave and 
You've got fucking hillbilly Jeremy with his ukulele and uh yep, just plucking away and I forget what his He's not even playing says. anything. He just Yeah. Yep. And I can't remember what exactly his dad Dean says to them as they all walk inside, but you also have Regina and um you know grandpa there, uh Walter, I think, uh standing there like they're the receiving line of servants on Downton Abbey or some shit like that. And <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just and, everybody lined up. It's, yep. And, and you've got Dean and Missy standing there on the porch with the, just the creepiest smiles on their face and everybody goes inside. And so they're all packing up and shit. And uh, Chris texts the picture of uh, Logan to Rod and he calls him back right away and he's like, that's Dre, sex slaves! Yep, <laughs> yep. And, um, and they gotta pack and all that and Rose goes to get her bag and, oh, that's right, uh, Chris's battery dies uh, during this yep. conversation. Yep. And, yeah, okay, that makes more Hot sense. device, like I'm telling you. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so Rose goes to get her bag, and that's where Chris notices the little closet door open again. And I don't know what compels him about this. I don't either. I mean, it's definitely, I don't know. I wouldn't, I mean, maybe because he feels uncomfortable, that's why he feels the need to yeah. open up her shit. But like, even still, I don't feel like I would just go up in people's shit like that. Yeah, or, or it could even be that he is looking to get their shit and get out of there. And he's thinking because it's open, there's probably something in there that they need to pack. It could be something as minor as that, but it's not spelled out well for the audience. Um, I don't know. And then for her to basically have that box in plain sight when he opens it, it's just like, you yeah, didn't want to put it somewhere. Box. It's, yeah, it's like, oh, it's like a shrine space on the floor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so he opens it up and starts flipping through these old photos of Rose and starts getting to pictures of her with all these black folks. And then he sees pictures of Dre and Walter and Georgina. And it's like, That's okay, right. it's time to get the fuck out. Um, now, do you believe that they were trying to insinuate that they had a like Rose had a relationship with the girl who was Georgina, or that that was her yeah. friend. I I think that they were insinuating that a little bit that she was trying to yeah. suck all That's these what I people think too, in that but, way. But um, sure. yeah, she's yeah. Um, I also love that she has left the room, and he's had the perfect amount of time to look through all this stuff and basically turn off the light and shut the door and all that shit. And get back to his packing before she comes back. Do you think there's cameras throughout this house? I would have to think so. Like, it's just all part of the plan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would think so. Otherwise, just a lot of the timing with a lot of things would be just a little bit much, you know? Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to suspend disbelief for it being a movie. I but. I would imagine that, especially down in the basement, they had to have some kind of camera work. Then again, maybe not. 
it's because there's stuff that's got yeah, away I mean, they're, they're out in the middle of nowhere so yeah who's gonna really look at look at them yeah i suppose so um so let's see here at this point um chris is like pressing rose about getting out of there and where's your keys i'll, I'll just i'll take the bags where are them keys yep <laughs> and you know just i think because he knows at this point he's well and truly fucked you know if i could do anything to somehow get these keys away from her and get out on my own we're just we're gonna go down that road if we have to here um so they head downstairs and here's where we get fucking jeremy with that fucking lacrosse stick because of course he plays lacrosse right <laughs> yeah and the mom missy is like oh would anybody like some tea and <laughs> maybe not as sinister as that but you know bad enough and then you know the dads at the fireplace like droning on about us being you know cocooned gods or whatever and Sure. This whole this whole thing is just so weird. Yeah. What is your purpose in life, Chris? You're like and which again like, my purpose right now is to get them keys. Yeah, yeah. But also that's like such a like girlfriend's dad question of you know the new boyfriend, you know, what are you doing with your life? What, what what are you getting up to with life? What's your purpose? What's your ambition? I feel like that's why they put him near the fireplace too. It was like mm -hmm. it's like the standard. I'm gonna give you a mini interrogation type thing. Yeah, yeah. I, God, I, I just I love how so many of these interactions. There are so many different ways to read into them. It's going. It's, it's an incredibly well crafted film. So yes, he keeps pushing Rose about them keys, and. <laughs> He starts getting really angry. Yo, <laughs> like, yeah. And also, uh, Jeremy takes a swipe at him with the lacrosse. Stick. Yeah. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, why are you doing this? Yeah. And uh, that's when uh, she finally drops that act. Here they are. And just everything of the character that we've known throughout this movie is gone like that shift too because she's she's like oh I, i'm still looking for oh they're right here it's just like a it's a complete mm -hmm. like shift mm -hmm. and then missy just immediately tap 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 and you're in the sunken place and i she's a little pissed at jeremy because uh he let him drop to the floor and they're worried that you know maybe he hit his head or something um but as he's sinking back into the sunken place and seeing things through the distant window into the you know reality there um you can hear them talking about okay well you you get his legs i'll i'll, I'll get his arms and we gotta carry him downstairs here and you hear rose right before the end you were one of my favorites and then we hey, cut bitch. to <laughs> say again is that okay bitch yeah yeah Yeah. Then we cut to Rod being very concerned. We stay with Rod for quite some time at this point. Um, 
he ends up going to Chris's, you know, he tries calling a few times and only gets voicemail. Uh, goes to Chris's place to see if he made it home. And nope, just the dog Sid. And while he's sitting there with the dog, he's hopping on. I, I hope he brought a computer with him. Otherwise, you know, Chris just has multiple Surface laptops uh, just kicking around. Microsoft is really heavy in this film. You got the Windows phone. You got the Surface laptops. They use Bing to do searches. Um, oh, I hate it. Yeah. Yes. It's. It wouldn't have shocked me if they had used Bing as a verb at one point in this film. Microsoft has such a heavy. But hey, that is what it is. So Rod's doing his research, and he's like, "Yep, yep, that's Dre." And this is um, let's see here. Okay, I think from here we um, cut to Chris waking up in this like overly wood paneled out rec room with yeah, you know all the game tables and everything else, and he is tied to this like leather lounge chair, and you got this giant ass console television. And I don't know <laughs> if you remember. I don't know if you remember those things at all or not, but parents had one. They were. Fucking huge and had the tiniest little Heavy. screen in them. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. They're monsters. Um and he's like, what? Huh? And there's the deer head up above. Um which uh yeah. It's Hi Pike. Pike's making an appearance. <laughs> yeah. He woke up from his little nap. Uh-huh. Um and I think this is where the TV flips on and we learn about the uh, coagula procedure and it's uh, Rose's grandpa uh, narrating and talking about, you know, Oh, don't be afraid. You know, let's, let's go on a little walk. And they, you know, it's very much, um, we're just trying to put you at, at ease because there's nothing you can do about this shit. Uh, what we're going to do is basically combine the best of you with the best of us. And yeah. The awesome. mind is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. They're just plugging you with all this information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... You know, we see a much younger uh, Dean, Missy, uh, Rose, and Jeremy there. And then it flips off, and we just cut to the teacup, and Chris is out again. And this is where Rod goes to the cops. Yep. <laughs> this whole scene is just, like, it's like, how how would you go about this any other way and have somebody believe you? Like there's, but he's like, no, he's 27 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. How old is yeah, your son? Like, oh no, no, no. He's not. He's not my son. He, he he's, he's my he's best my boy. <laughs> yeah, he's my best friend. He's 26. His name is Chris Washington. Um. So yeah, yeah. It's, and you see her face as she's trying to listen to this shit, this cop, and she's like. Hold on a second. Next thing you know, there's two other detectives in the room and they're all listening to this and, you know, and they're turning them into slaves or sex slaves or some shit. Sorry about the shit. Um, and finally, finally the one guy breaks and then the other one 
and they're all having a good laugh. And she says, don't tell me ever again that I don't do you anything for you. Uh, Cause they're having a great old time. Um, and oh yeah. What does she say? Those white girls get you every time to ride. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Cause clearly they do. Um, so Rod calls Chris's phone now, and this time Rose answers. And she answers asking for Chris, you know, like, you know, oh, he left his phone here when he went away, and I have no idea where he is. That type of thing. Love her and, facial expressions this whole time. Yeah, deadpan. Just nothing. It's nothing. only her voice that's doing this acting. And it's at this so point. crazy. Yeah, yeah. And she's just sitting there in the dark having this phone conversation. And this is where Rod, you know, he gets this, you know, idea. Okay. Okay. You know, can you give me a quick sec? And he puts her on mute and he's like, lion bitch, going to record the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bitch is lying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he sets up the computer to record and he puts her on speakerphone or whatever. And he's like, unmute. And this is where she turns the tables on him. How it's just like the facade is totally gone. And she's like, oh, yeah, you were always trying to get to me. I see. How she's like, is. cut that bullshit. You were <laughs> you were trying to get with me behind Chris's back. He's like, no, no, Chris is my best friend. I would mm-hmm. never do that. He's like, hang up, hang up, prank caller, prank caller. Um, and he's like, she's a genius. <laughs> I love that line. Goddamn genius. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and then we're back in the rec room with Chris, and the TV pops back on, and it's Jim with a shaved head this time, and they're having a little video chat, because apparently there's an intercom. And, you know, they go... It's mostly Jim just talking at him, but he's describing, you know, the bit of the procedure where, you know, the first stage is basically the conditioning. And um, that's what you've already been through. And now there's this stage of things where we kind of develop this little bit of a rapport because apparently it just helps the process. I don't know. Um it's also just so that there can be a little bit of exposition. And if you weren't totally filled in as an audience member, now you know exactly what's going on. Right. Um, yeah, I like it. Yup. And yeah. then we go into the third stage where we're going to take a piece of my brain and insert it into yours. We're basically going to leave everything that, you know, is able to control your body there, but the rest of me is going into you. And then you're just going to be a passenger in your own body. Um, yeah, vessel. Yeah, and they they do this great cutting back and forth with flashbacks to the party from the other day uh, of, you know, basically, you know, there's people that go through this thing because they want to be stronger, faster, or cooler. And he makes this comment about, you know, don't lump me in with all those, you know, he doesn't say it, but those racist fucks, even though, yes, this is still <laughs> racist as shit because I want your eye. I want the way you see the world as the person that you are. This, you know. So, yeah. Uh, and then he cuts the feed and the teacup comes back on and Chris is gone. Um, and then Chris does wake up again 
and he's been digging at the armrests of the chair, just like when he was a kid sitting and watching TV when he couldn't get himself to get up. And he's tearing apart the leather, essentially, and the, you know, the cotton stuffing of the armrest is starting to come through. And, you know, they don't... Yeah. Yes, <laughs> please. I got it. So, so, so normally these chairs are made with polyester, um, and Jordan Peele purposely filled it with cotton so that it was literal cotton picking to just give more, more illusion to being black in America. Yep. So. Yep, that ultimately yes, that is an important detail. Yes, and ultimately by picking cotton saves his life. It's ooh, and they yeah. <laughs> I mean, what do you and, say? And then they don't exactly spell out what he does, but you put two and two together later. But um, we we cut from here to uh, Dean and Jeremy uh, getting ready for the prediction uh, procedure. And they're in this operating room with this score that's playing that's so, like, you know, satanic, culty. Um, it, it's great. Um, this, this film does have a good score. Um, and it really does. Yeah. So, you know, they're, you know, they've got the, the tarp over the head and, you know, they're slicing uh, the, you know, skin off of the dude's skull and all that shit. And um, they send Jeremy off to go get Chris. And he starts, you know, undoing the buckles and everything. And he he turns away from Chris and we get a, you know, surprise motherfucker with the bocce ball. And it's great. It's great. And he should have hit him a few more times, but um, yeah, we'll find that out later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, drops, uh, drops him and drops the bocce ball. And you know, we cut to Dean in the operating theater and, um, you know, he's basically ready for Chris at this point. And he's like, where the fuck's Jeremy? And he walks out into the hall and he kind of looks one way, looks the other. You know, there's nothing going on. And when he looks back, it's the, you know, that wonderful horror trope of there wasn't somebody there before, but there is now. And there's no way that it, this person could have covered that distance or moved that silently or whatever. But you get that deer head from the rec room, uh, just yep. slamming into him and he gets run through. And as he drops to the ground inside the operating theater, because of course they had lit candles. I, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it has to be ceremonial every time. Yeah. Yeah. They, they as much as, you know, this is a very culty situation in this film. I don't think they really drive home how much of a cult this whole thing is with the exception of this operating theater and the super like, you know, hail Satan style music. Right. Um, but yes, of course, uh, the, the operating room is lit on fire by the candle being, you know, knocked over and, Chris makes his way upstairs, and of course he's covered in blood at this point. And he runs into Georgina in the kitchen, and she bolts. And he looks over to the side, and there's Missy um, in her office. And I love their little standoff for a quick second. And they're both looking down at the teacup on the table. And he's like, Chris, nope, not today. Yep, yep. That's right. Not today, Satan. And he knocks that thing. He gets there first and knocks it off. And 
Uh, she grabs a letter opener and plants that right through his hand. Um, and he did that shit on purpose. He was just like, Bloop. <laughs> didn't try to dodge it at all. <laughs> no, no. It's, uh, I think at that point, adrenaline's pretty high and you're like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I have to do to get out of here. And also fuck these people up. Um, and he does, he gets the better of her and yeah, kind of a lackluster death. Actually, he just manages to get her. They don't even really show it. Yeah. Yeah. I've always felt that way, but, uh, he does take her out and he almost makes it to the front door and then not dead. Jeremy, uh, pops up out of nowhere and grabs him from behind. Oh man. Die. Die. Yep. Yep. And they tussle and it's that awesome back and forth of trying to reach for the door, getting it open just enough. And then it gets kicked shut. And does he like grab a key out of the door and stab him with it? Is that what he stabs Jeremy with in the leg? Oh yeah. It's something like that. But, uh, Yes, in his pain, he's able. Chris is able to uh, break free from Jeremy, and he just basically stomps his head about you know three four times, and that all happens off camera, uh, right around the corner from the uh, the stairwell there. Um, I suppose that you know saves on the effects budget, but uh, it, I mean it's it's weird because we 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 go through the what these seem like these two gruesome deaths in the beginning, which Jeremy wasn't dead, but. I mean, even the dad was probably the worst thing we see. Yeah. Yeah, because, um, yeah, that it was a decent rack on the buck. So, yeah, a lot of piercings throughout his body there. Um, we can so, definitely tell the aggression. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Just that was a very, very angry charge, and rightfully so. Um, so, yeah, he basically kills jeremy and then runs outside to jeremy's car well actually no we cut back up to rose in her bedroom who's sitting upright on her bed um eating fruit loops in the most creepy way she's got a glass of milk with a straw, and, and she's not even popping the whole thing into her mouth no she's got to take little nibbles of the fruit loop it's yep. so fucked up and she's doing research on uh you know her next target i think jordan peele is one of the people that you see on the uh on the computer oh i've never noticed that and she's using fucking bing to do her research again microsoft great big sponsor of this uh particular film um and oh also she's listening to the dirty dancing soundtrack while she's doing all this because of course she is of course she is. This is, yep, yep. Homicidal white girl. Dancing. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Chris fires up Jeremy's car, and he looks into the passenger seat, and there's a fucking knight's helmet, and that's what he was wearing in the beginning that you couldn't quite see. It's so yeah. weird. It's so very weird. weird. He is very much the white knight, right? Um, ugh. and so he. Chris gets his phone. Yes, he had grabbed his phone in the kitchen right before his fight with Missy. So he and I don't know why it's suddenly. Oh, it has a charge, of course, because um, Rose was using it to talk to Rod earlier. So they had charged it back up for that whole purpose. Uh, Lucky for Chris. Uh, So he calls 911 and he's having trouble explaining what's going on to the operator. But uh, in his hurry to get down the driveway, he hits Georgina. And he stops the car 
and all I can think of is his mother. And he's like, I, of course. I, I, yeah. And he's like, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. This is so dumb. But he grabs her and he puts her in the passenger seat because he can't bear to leave. And this that's is your where, downfall. Yep. This is where Rose uh, notices what's going on. And you hear her say grandma as she grabs this rifle and charges out of the house after them. And um, this is where uh, Rose wakes up and she attacks him. And I think this is the first bit where you notice the scar on the forehead because it's Georgina, not Rose or Georgina. Yes. Um, in the car. Yeah. You notice the scar because her hair isn't covering it any longer. Probably from getting hit by a fucking Porsche. Right. But, um, so she attacks him and they plow into a tree and, uh, ultimately, uh, Chris wakes up to find her dead with her, you know, her head smashed into the windshield and Rose is shooting at him. Um, so he gets out of the car. Luckily she's an awful shot because she fires at him multiple times and always misses. Um, and then Walter comes charging out of the dark at him and he doesn't have his hat on any longer. So you see his big scar. That's right. What, what does uh, Rose say? Get him grandpa. (laughs) and yeah uh chris gets tackled pretty hard by this guy and walter's a big dude big dude has a big guy right there yep yep and uh he's been working out yeah um but chris manages to get his cell phone out of his pocket and use the flash on his camera to you know daze walter and kind of snap him out of it for a second and Walter gets up and he asks Rose for the gun. And he just, as soon as he gets it, he shoots her in the gut and then takes the top off of his own head. Um, now, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much of that was Walter or the grandpa killing himself, just either as Walter to get out of the situation and finally end it, or the grandpa because look what I've done. I've killed my granddaughter. Uh, could be a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, it could be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so Walter's Dunzo and Chris you know, finally gets up a little bit and he sees uh, Rose reaching for the gun. He takes it away from her and she tries to play the girlfriend role again. Lion bitch. Uh, she's so relentless oh yeah and Chris starts strangling her and you see her face change and she starts smiling and that's when you start seeing the the red and blue lights flashing you're like god damn it Chris isn't gonna make it out of this (laughs) nope nope Chris is dead Chris is so dead he's strangling a white girl uh, in upstate New York um yeah, and then the door of the cruiser opens up, and you say "airport" on the side. It's motherfucking Rod. <laughs> what a what a it oh. it, it, it could have never been any other way because they were prodding that character to be the savior in the end. Mm-hmm. If you like play back all the ways that they were talking and his investigating and all that stuff, he had yep. to be the one. So he just leaves Rose and gets up 
gets in the car with Rod and Rod's like, I mean, I told you not to go in that house. <laughs> and then the splash screen. Yeah. Well, I, I'm T.S. motherfucking A. We handle shit. It's what we do. Consider your shit handled. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and they drive off and you see Rose die as she's watching them drive away. And then you get credits. And yeah. then if you have the right edition of this film, immediately after the credits, you get the alternate ending. <laughs> Which uh, is a lot more depressing. Yeah. Which that's him in jail, right? Like, cause yep. he gets caught. In- it was the cops, actual cops that showed up. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Of course, all the evidence is burned away. Everybody's dead. So, I mean, here's yeah. the thing. I mean, that's uh, definitely it very likely harsh. could be how this movie, the actual ending plays out after the film is done, because I mean, the same set of circumstances, ultimately, um, I'm sure there's plenty of evidence that could, uh, point at Chris at one point or another. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the, alternate ending the original ending is chris in jail and basically he's you know this martyr that took this family down but because of you know america and the the system that he's trapped in he's he's basically just gonna be in prison for the rest of his life that's right yep yeah there would be no way he'd talk out of that (laughs) i guess no and that's the system of america welcome one and all yes um yeah that's get out man yes i loved it i loved watching it again i've always i can i can watch this movie uh, a million times and still have a great time with it um definitely glad you decided to choose me for this one love talking about it we we talked about this a while ago yeah and uh you know of course nope is out you know by the time this goes live in just a few days and it was just kind of perfect timing and everything. And yeah, I'm glad that we got to do this. Um, as far as any other trivia or any other thoughts, what else you got on get out? Um, I do know. I didn't say it earlier. I was, I was going to say it in the very beginning, but this movie only took 23 days to film completely, which is pretty awesome. I mean, it's a horror movie, so obviously the budget's not incredible, but no, I mean, and, 23 days for any movie is is super fast. So, yeah, well, that that speaks of a, a director and a production team that has their shit in a pile. And when it's time to shoot, they are ready to shoot. Um, that's yeah, cool. I believe Jordan Peele said that he wrote it a long time ago and he never really expected it to be an actual movie. So, I mean, yeah. he, he knew about the idea for a long time. Yeah, um, I, I remember him saying how he wrote this during the Obama administration. Um, but ultimately by the time that they were in production, the writing was kind of on the wall as far as the direction that the country was going in. Um, and just how, you know, horrible shit that a lot of oblivious people thought was, uh, dead and buried. Nah, it's always been there. It's still there. And, um, now people just are saying the quiet part out. Right. That's right. And I mean, we're still we're still dealing with this type of shit in America. And I mean, even with movies like this that portray it in a almost fun kind of way, like it's literally something that African-American black people deal with daily. So, 
it's very relevant. I'm sure it's going to be relevant for a long time. Yep, absolutely it will. Um, and then, you know, some of the people that really need to see a film like this, that need to have conversations like this, won't. Because to them, you know, it's even if they don't see themselves as racist or whatever, they're offended by the idea that anything that they do or say or think could potentially be racist. And so they'll, they'll just automatically avoid it. And then they won't have those conversations. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, it's I, unfortunate, but this is, this is what we deal with. So, uh, <laughs> and you know, me being half black, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately <laughs> I've, I've dealt with racism, but um, you know, I'm sure that, I have a bunch of other friends that have way more horror stories than I do. I mean, I got pulled over seven times by the same cop when I was in high school. Same cop. Oh, doc. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. And, you know, you don't, really, you don't really think about how that affects people. And, um, you know, I, I get nervous when, when cops are behind me. And that's based off of experience. Like, and in, you know, being in any situation where you're in a, a, a law enforcement type of position as a black or, or African-American person. It's just, it's nerve wracking every time. It doesn't even matter if you got pulled over for going five over the speed limit, they'll get you for anything. And a lot of these um, police killed people over traffic stops and having a tail light out or, or something like that. So it's rough out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, Thinking about all of that, just as we're watching this, um, a, you know, essentially we keep talking about how we're living in the prequel to The Handmaid's Tale, right? And we're seeing all these different rights that we thought were just essentially set in stone because all of our lifetime they've been there, right? And seeing all that stuff stripped away, you're starting to see ways in which everything that you described is just going to continue to be the norm and yeah, fucking sucks. You know, weirdly enough, I, I, um, I posted, I watched a documentary on Netflix. I think it's called who we are. Um, very good. It's, it fits right in the line with what this movie is. And, um, it, it actually has a lot of factual information. Um, and I highly recommend that if anybody's interested in the African American experience in America, that, Maybe they should take a look at the film. I think it's only ninety minutes, maybe maybe an hour forty. Yeah, yeah. I saw you post um, that, and I threw it on my list, so it's uh, definitely on my radar. I'd like to see. That. Yeah, it's very good. Well educated. Cool. Cool. Well, more people need to just take the opportunity to experience things outside of their bubble. So, yeah, appreciate it, man. And I appreciate having yeah. you on this thing. Uh, I was very excited when you said yes. And um, there, there will, I'm sure, be more horror to talk about at one point or another. You know, whether that's real life shit, um, because that's constant. Uh, or, you know, more of the entertaining variety. So, again, thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed having you on again. Anytime, man. This is, this is always a joy for me. So, yeah, anytime. Yeah. We'll figure out the next one. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Dim, if you'd like, where can people find you? 
I am a uh, gifted dim on pretty much everything. Gifted dim sixty three on most things. Um, just got to look it up. Gifted spell with a Y. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, this has been Murders with Mertens, a horror film podcast. Thank you for letting us tickle your ear holes. Please like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. I'll be back soon enough with another episode. But until next time, stay spoopy, everyone.